Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh and James Jones. It's been two weeks since we last saw each other. James Jones has been to Wembley to watch England oh so narrowly miss out on Euro 2020 glory. But Declan Rice was man of the match in that showcase event at Wembley and how proud of him we all are. James, it's wonderful to see you again, mate. Back in central London together, speaking to each other face to face opposite in a real life actual studio once again which we're going to make a habit of this season now the world is getting back to normal just a little bit how are you mate yeah good to see you mate i'm, I'm very well it's good to be back to some kind of normality with with lockdown ending and here we are face to face in a studio chatting away like the good old days exactly what a pleasure and, um yeah yeah all good mate you good yeah i'm all right mate yeah i'm doing okay um yeah a bit underwhelmed by west ham's transfer activity as everyone else's but to be quite honest i haven't really my mind hasn't switched from the euros yet and i'm in that sort of window you get as far as football is concerned where i'm just having a little bit of a mental break from it while I can just switching off a little bit I know we've got the Olympics coming up which will be a bit more difficult for everyone to watch it's all going to be overnight mm. in Tokyo if it even goes ahead but no all in all mate I'm um, I'm doing okay you know the world just feels like it's getting back to normal and that is cheering me up no end I'm you know stressful yeah. stressful and pessimistic about um, West Ham and just life as I usually am but no on the whole mate uh, positive vibes all around so True. tell me tell me how was the, uh, the Euro 2020 final before we go any further it was pitching up to be one of the most elite days and the elite summers of your life after scoring a goal at London Stadium and yeah. then potentially seeing England win the Euros at Wembley but it wasn't quite to be. It wasn't quite to be it was still an incredible day out um, the whole day, that my first beer at 11 o'clock naturally in the morning and um, just sort of went from there and went for a bit of lunch, Hit got to Wembley way at about 4 o'clock, absolute carnage 
Um, was not- it was it as bad as I mean? It's one of those, isn't it? Because I was saying to you earlier on, I was at that England game against Russia in Marseille in Euro twenty sixteen. Was that yeah? Uh, when it all kicked off, and through luck and a, probably a, well through luck and rather than judgment, we didn't see any of it. But what yeah. was your experience like? I didn't see any trouble at all, all day, all night. Um, so waking up to the reports the following morning of all that carnage that that happened, you know, people squeezing through the COVID checks and just squeezing into the ground, um, having fights with their own fans and that, I didn't see any of that. When I say carnage on Wembley Way, it was just a party. Mm. Um, and I haven't seen that many football fans in one place in that sort of... Um, mood mood since yeah. the final game at Upton Park yeah 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 I, I, and that's what I said to my brother when I was there I was like I, it feels like I've not been in this situation since yeah. then. and just party vibes yeah and like you know everyone was singing Sweet Caroline and you know which has been done to death by the we, way which, I mean, bored of you, that's we do like, it all season at West Ham and then it was you know then we're doing it for England for all, all summer <laughs> it's just it's, not a football yeah. song is it's it not, it's not like... but I mean it is what it is but it was a good day and then got in the ground and it was just a really good atmosphere in the ground. Mm. Um, you know, I did. There were a couple of little lads that tried to squeeze in behind us at the, at the turnstile, um, but not on the scale that you know that was happening elsewhere in the ground. Mm. Literally, two lads that tried to get in. What time did you get in then? Because I, I don't really know the time scale as such of well, what, what was ticket, going on when. Ticket said we had to be in the ground between five and five thirty, and right. we were like, "Well, we're not doing that because mm. we're going to stay on Wembley Way until a good hour before kickoff." Yeah, uh, but we run out of beer, and there's nowhere on Wembley Way that sells beer. Did you just have cans? On we the... just had cans. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah, and yeah. Um, we we underestimated how many how much we drink. So um, yeah, we ran out very very quickly. <laughs> that, which is surprising. Which is surprising. Yeah. But so we thought, well, the only place we're going to get beer is if we go in the ground, and so we just went in at about I think we got in about half, five quarter to six, mm. and then sat, sat stood in the concourse right opposite the bar. The queues were going pretty quickly in there, so it's pretty easy. And we ended up at another four or five pints before kickoff, and uh, it worked out nicely. And it was a good atmosphere in there, really good atmosphere. Yeah, lovely stuff, mate. Lovely stuff. And then the game, what did you make of it? I honestly thought I, I genuinely did West Ham bias aside, and I've had it backed up from non-hammers who said Declan was was man of the match in their opinion until he got hauled off. The reports seemed to suggest that he might have picked up a knock in the first half. He came off just after 70 minutes, didn't he? But yeah, yeah. What did you make of the game on the whole? It was a good. I, I thought it was a really good game of football. I, I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't try and build on that on that early goal. Um, mm. It just felt like you go one up after three minutes in a in a cup final. You got you got to build on that, especially against a team like Italy, which will you know grind you down and, and find a way through. Mm. Um, but you're right, Declan Rice was best power on the pitch. I think even with a knock, you keep him on the pitch because he was dominating that midfield. Um, but then Henderson's experience should have. Should have counted for something. Didn't do a lot. Did didn't he? do a lot. No. Um, and the substitutions all round were quite questionable. But I'm I'm loath to really question Gareth Southgate because nah, of course not. What he's done over the last four years, three years, has been nothing short of sort of. Well, he's the second best England manager of all time. Isn't yeah, he? Other I mean, than Alf Ramsey, when they appointed him as manager, we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, never dreamed of what where he's taken us. World Cup semi final, Euros final. Um, third was it fourth place or third place in the Nations League, which kind of you know whether you, yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, you know, but it's a tournament now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, what it is. Yeah. It's it's mad what he's what, what we've achieved under him in such a short space of time. So yeah, okay, some of the some of the subs are questionable, but in the end, I think the better team won on the night. Hmm. Um, which you know, give Italy credit for it. You know, 
they, they were the best team in the whole tournament in my book. So yeah, we didn't yeah. lose. We didn't. We didn't lose to a, an underdog or anything. I think we did, we lost to the best team on the I day totally, totally and over agree, the course yeah. of the five weeks. So it is what it is. But I'm just glad that we had that moment to celebrate yeah. the goal. I said it to my brother before the game. I said, whatever happens tonight, I just want that one moment that we can celebrate. Yeah, something. yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, we got it within three minutes. And I ended up four or five row, rows in front. Um, Carl Jenkinson was stood next yeah, to me. Yeah, hanging out with in, West Ham legend Carl he, Jenkinson. He, he used me as a springboard to celebrate the goal and I ended up going down with him. Yeah, just don't uh, tell anyone at Nottingham Forest because he's supposed to be injured. Yeah, he? he's supposed to be injured. <laughs> I mean, that's who I'm going to say on the matter. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, no, yeah, it was good fun. Uh, we had that moment. I've got huge bruise still on my left leg from the celebration, which has gone black now. Um, <laughs> it doesn't look too healthy, but... Yeah, yeah. Worth um, it. it was well worth it well yeah, worth yeah. it no mate you know what I was definitely annoying the people that I watched the game with afterwards and throughout because I was just so positive immediately yeah. positive afterwards to be honest um, you know I don't, I don't think we need to go into it on this podcast it's been done to death all the, the racism stuff since and the, some of the violent scenes it gets hammed up by by all media outlets because that's the nature of, of news I am a little bit disappointed really because I feel like there should still be such a celebratory atmosphere in the air mm. we, we drew the final ultimately didn't we we, yeah. we we got all the way as far as you can possibly go and lost on the toss of a coin mm-hmm. so I felt so positive about it afterwards I was definitely winding up some of the people I was with had a couple of drinks by then going no it's alright it's alright honestly it's positive don't worry oh what are you getting so sad for even though you know we had the chance to make history you said that while you had tears rolling down your eyes no but I genuinely <laughs> was like immediately positive I genuinely thought we were going to win the whole time anyway. So when we didn't, I was a little bit taken aback. So I was like, oh, this is, wasn't how it was supposed to go. Yeah. But no, I, I just feel really positive about the whole thing. We've had a World Cup semi-final and a European Championship final. My dad was three the last time England got to a major final, mm. let alone how old I am now. And there's every single chance that we can have an equally successful campaign in the World Cup in tell, 18 yeah. months' time. Yeah, like yeah. Most of that team isn't going anywhere. Henderson might be a little bit beyond it. Kane will be that little bit older and a bit more injury-prone. But no, mate, I, I generally feel so, so positive about the whole thing. And I just feel, I mean, obviously I'm disgusted as everyone else is by, by all the stuff that comes out. But ultimately, there is cretins in this country. You're not going to change it. Yeah, and not, I no. just rather focus on... Um, obviously, goes without saying that we throw our full weight and support behind uh, behind the players. And yeah, ultimately, I hope they listen to the vast majority of the country, not the naught mm. point whatever percent is that find it within themselves to go straight on Twitter after something like that happens and call you know call them all the names under the sun. And I just no, I mean, you know, I know that happens. That's going to keep on happening because there will all be cretin, always be cretinous people in the country. And I'm just really, really proud of each and every single one of the players, even all the squad members that, you know, didn't get on the pitch but still, as Southgate said, maintained that really upbeat, buoyant atmosphere and there was no cliques by the sound of it. It was just a positive attitude that pulled everyone in the same direction. And those players automatically for me have already outdone your Rio Ferdinands, your Frank Lampards, your Steven Gerrards, all those, oh, we let club rivalries get in the way because we cared so much about our club. Well, how ridiculous does all that sound exactly. now? Because these yeah. blokes have stepped up and shown them how it's how it's done, how to make a nation properly proud of mm. you and, mm. and still be outstanding in the Premier League and the Champions League. So, yeah. no, ultimately, mate, and I'm, uh, I'm absolutely delighted 
um, that we got so far and to have been able to watch England come close in the final. I feel the same um, now. Uh, I mean, you know, the time. you know me, I'm a very emotional football fan. <laughs> um, and, you know, I cried I cried when we won the semi-final. Yeah. Um, I was close to tears when we beat Germany. You know, I was very, very emotional. Um, but when Saka missed that penalty, it kind of, I didn't, I expected to cry. I expected just to be completely and utterly heartbroken. But I didn't, I couldn't. I was just I was so proud of everything but mm. then what broke the pride at the time um I've since recovered that pride by the way um <laughs> we we left immediately the moment the penalty was missed we just started walking yeah yeah um and we're walking up at Wembley Way and you know what Wembley Way is like it's a nightmare mm. um we thought we're not standing for the trophy we're not standing for the whatever we're just going to leave and we're walking up and looking back it's quite funny and then Obviously, it was the moment that Italy had lifted the trophy and they set the fireworks off around the arch, oh, yeah, the Wembley yeah. arch, and it made everyone in Wembley Way jump because it, was <laughs> because it was happening behind us and everyone ducked. And everyone was like, what the hell was that? Turn around and you see the fireworks going across the arch and then you see the arch turn into the Italian colours. And at that very moment, my heart broke because I was like, that was the moment that I realised we'd actually lost it and mm. I'd come to terms with we'd lost. But the following morning... Back to pride again. I think you know you you've, you summed it up perfectly. Like first final in fifty five years, regardless of what the result was, we should be proud of the fact that we got there and yeah. what the what happened in the racism stuff. I mean, you're showing you lack a you lack a lot of intelligence when the first thing that you notice after losing a final is that it was three black players that missed the penalty. Don't you feel sorry for it's people just, like that? It's just it's incredibly weird that that was the first thing you thought of was oh hang on that was three black players. Mm. I'm going to tweet about it. Don't you feel honestly? I it's, just feel pity because imagine, imagine what their lives must look like on yeah. a daily basis. Imagine yeah. how much like sadness and pent up anger you've got to have inside it's, you it's strange. to be so furious about something like that. that I'll never that, understand it. That that dominates your thinking on yeah. a day like that, on a day of where history's being made. But that's the first thing these people thought about. It wasn't I can't believe we've lost, or I'm so proud that England got there in the first place, mm. or fair play for them to having the courage to go and take a penalty in the first place mm. under all that pressure. It was, oh, well, I'm going to make a link with the fact that they're all, they're all, they're all black players, yeah. so I'm going to tweet about it. And it's just, it's sad. Um, but, mate, who'd, I'm not being funny. It's a no-brain. Who would you rather be? Give me Bukayo Saka's <laughs> life. Exactly. Or Marcus Rashford's life. Yeah, yeah. Or Jaden Sancho's life. All day Any long. day of the week. And I, over I, someone who tweets garbage so like that. so much respect for all three of them. For the way for the whole they, team, mate. Yeah, for the, yeah, but definitely. particularly those three because they've stepped up yep. in the the most pr- pressured moment in their career so far, probably in their entire career. You know, they won't face a, a moment like that again, probably. And then they've had to face what they faced on social media, and all three of them came out and just went, you know, I'm not going to apologise for, no, this, for is being who I am. this is who I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I've got so much respect for all three of them, and um, you know. And the whole the whole country, as you said. So yeah, we yeah can, everyone's we can proud, be proud of them. Of them. I think they know that as well, don't they? They know. They, you they know, know it's not. I know if yeah. you sort of the echo chamber of Twitter or um, newspapers, TV stations, whatever. These stories, you know, they they sell, don't they? Or people yeah. read them. They're good for numbers. But ultimately, you know, the story of oh yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of England is bursting with pride at every single member of Gareth Southgate's squad. Mm. Well, that that doesn't travel that story, does it? That doesn't, you can't pull that on. That won't 
make as successful headlines and all that sort of thing is yeah that doesn't but that is the truth that's the real story isn't it absolutely everyone in the country's behind him so yeah absolutely delighted with that and and a special hats off of course to Declan who done himself and West Ham United utterly proud so Jonesy back to West Ham United I mean, it's it's been pretty cool. I don't know what you do over the summer, and, and I know there'll be lots of people listening to this podcast who stay in tune with West Ham content and stories, and and they they want West Ham stuff coming at them all the time, regardless of if England are on or whatever is going on in the world, or whether the season stopped or not. I'm not like that, to be mm-hmm. honest. I have my during the season, I'm really engaged and and I love it, and it's you know I'm looking forward to it every week. Well, not always, not every season, but yeah, certainly yeah. recently, I'm looking forward to the next game. I'm into all the stories, what's going on about the club. Obviously, it's my job as well yeah. to have my finger on the pulse, same as you. Um, but yeah, this summer particularly, completely switched off from West Ham. I'm still having my little mental break from from football, so obviously I've sort of know a little bit about what's going on and kept my finger on the pulse a wee bit. How does it work for you? Before we go into the stuff, we've got some stuff to cover tonight. The kits, you know, the number changes, some transfer news. Philippe Anderson, Jesse Lingard, Tammy Abraham, Jared Bowen, it's a D-up. Some stuff about this takeover that isn't. Uh, and, of course, a couple of friendlies. We've got some stuff to cover, James. But how does your mind work as far as West Ham goes over the summer particularly? As you said, it's, it's my job as well to kind of keep up what's going on with football. And I work for a company that owns over 100 football websites so I'm I'm still immersed in the football world mm. regardless of whether it's pre-season or during the season um, and I also yeah, don't tell my boss what I just said actually <laughs> <laughs> cut that bit out yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah I mean I I still write West Ham articles for mm. West Ham World every now and then a couple of day so uh, I'm still sort of quite knowledgeable in terms of what's what's going going on. What are you um, trying to say? Well I like to think I like to think so anyway. But yeah. I, I, yeah, am I co- actually still know about what's going on with our yeah. club will but uh, I, thanks I, for coming. I actually support the club for twelve months a year. <laughs> yeah. Not and not nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not a seasonal supporter. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. But but at the, at the same time I'm quite envious because there there are so many times throughout an entire year where I'm just like I just need a break from football. Just need to yeah. stop because it's you know what it is mate? all encompassing 24-7 with, yeah. with what we do for a career and obviously anyone listening to this do check out West Ham World if you don't already um, owned and run by our very own James Jones those of you long term listeners will remember the days when it was the uh, the West Ham World yep. West Ham show on Love Sport Radio wasn't it very early days but um, I, and this is not a slight on you at all this is across any sort of football website about any club at the moment I just find the stories at the moment that come out of clubs bore me they bore the pants off me, nothing to do with what you've been writing or what any other web- West Ham website writes or whatever. But it's kit stuff, it's transfer rumours, it's this is what might be happening, it's pre-season training pictures. It's, and I know lots of people lap up that content, and I do a lot of it for my job. It just bores the pants off me. It is. I'm like, oh look, the, there's the new training kit and they're on a beach in Scotland. For two weeks, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> There's quite another boring. picture of mine. I bought on a bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, it is mostly boring, but at the same time, incredibly exciting because we know we're getting ever so close to to the to the new season, which is what everyone 
cares about. Yeah, there is that, mate. I keep having a um, there's a countdown thing on our um, keeps coming up at work, and it's like 24 days left or whatever. I'm like, oh no, it can't be, can't be 24 days days left that so soon. (laughs) 24 days until you become a fan again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Until I switch on my West Ham hat once again. Yeah, yeah. So, Jonesy, you're talking about training kits there, but the actual football kit that West Ham are going to be playing in got released. It was a nice video. They let the um, some local NHS workers mm-hmm. from um, nearby the nearby Barking and Redbridge nice Trust, I think. Yeah, yeah. They um, yeah, exactly let them get an exclusive early look at the kit. It's modelled on the famous Paolo Di Canio one from the early 2000s, just at the turn of the millennium. I'll be honest, mate. I love it. I think it's an absolute stormer. And Umbro, who are if you ask most football fans, would tell you is a fairly unfashionable brand. They have done another smashing job this time around, I think. I think, I can't remember the last time we had a consistently good manufacturer at West Ham, I think. Yeah. Probably was Fila. It probably was Fila, yeah. I yeah. think I think they've been absolutely superb every single year. Like the home kit especially has been, it's been top-notch and this year they've pulled it out of the bag. That is one of the most iconic West Ham kits in, in the Premier League era, at yeah, least. for sure, yeah. And um, they've done they've done it justice. They've done such a good job of it. So um, I just think they missed the trick by not getting Di Canio in the promo video to to be donning it because you know he's been he, all over Talk Sport recently, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, the time. surely they could have given him a phone call because he would have been well up for that, wouldn't he? You'd have thought he'd yeah, have yeah. been well up for being on the promo, but whack him in his garden in Sardinia or wherever he is. Yeah, recreating, put, the, recreating the volley. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, I mean, whenever you see that shirt, you think of the Canio's volley, don't you? And uh, yeah. they had a, they missed a trick, but still, what a wonderful shirt! I'm looking forward to seeing it in action. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I mean, if um, fingers crossed, if we end up playing at London Stadium again at the end of next season, like we were fortunate enough to do. Uh, a month or so ago um, fingers crossed you'll be able to squeeze yourself into another medium version of it well I mean I've lost some weight by then I'm I'm hoping so I might do but if I don't I might have to go extra large Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just to be careful anyone who's seen those shots of uh, of James strutting his stuff at London Stadium albeit he did score yeah he was a little bit optimistic I think when requesting a (laughs) medium shirt while me and Tom the skinniest bloke in the world went large but uh, Jonesy, there was a little bit of uh, of changing around, a, a promo video to distract from the lack of transfers, as some users on Twitter suggested, um, to talking about the change of numbers. So we've got Mikel Antonio who's taken the number nine shirt, which does suggest <laughs> once again that David Moyes is quite happy with just one injury-prone former right-back to play up front and lead the line as we charge into Europe. Uh, Saeed Benrahma has dropped the number nine and he has taken the number 22 shirt and it was quite a, nice story, a touching that. tale behind it, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, at first I was a little bit like, hey, why is he giving away the number nine for the 22? But then when you read about it, it's his, it's his late father's favourite number and I think he was desperate for Saeed to wear that throughout his career and he'd never had the opportunity to do it. So now he has got the opportunity, so he's done it sort of, you know, to honour his late father. So I think that's a lovely story. Um, and Antonio's taken the number nine. Um, which is a sign that he'll probably end up playing right back at some point next season or left back <laughs> yeah. um, or central midfield or anywhere but striker once we finally get a striker in. Mm. We think we'd hope we'd get one in. But I thought that was a bit of an odd one now. I quite liked Antonio 30. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty it's iconic, iconic it's wasn't iconic, it? Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. There's that, there's that photo of him heading in the, his goal on the final day at Upton Park yep. and you know, 30's prominent. Mm. And 
Um, six years he wore the number 30 shirt. He made it his own at West Ham. And, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is a bit of a shame. It but, is a bit of a weird one, um, isn't it? Yeah. But, no... Takes, takes the number nine. He wants to be the spearhead of West Ham's attack in yep, Europe. So. Exactly. Pablo Fornells has dropped from 18 to number eight when... Felipe Anderson finally left the club on a permanent deal for Lazio. He retired the number eight, of course, and Pablo Fornells has picked that up pretty sharpish. He it's dropped brutal. the number 18. It's brutal. They announced... He was taking the eight shirt about an hour after they announced Philippe Anderson had been sold. It's <laughs> just so quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, but I think again, it shows Pablo Fornell's importance to the squad. Yeah, absolutely, doesn't it? definitely. He's he's going to be a, another integral part in our squad this season, which is good stuff. So that brings us on nicely, actually, Jonesy, to the Philippe Anderson story in our little transfer segment that we're going to do quickly now. Philippe Anderson, so those of you who don't already follow me on Twitter, I do actually have a day job that involves me uh, having my finger on the pulse as far as football stories go and um, got some information the other day that I published. Head on over to my Twitter to check that out. Um, that Philippe Anderson, obviously, he's gone to Lazio in a deal worth between three and five million pounds. It's up to five million. Uh, it can get there if if some you know certain uh, bits and pieces are hit while he's over in Italy. And the immediate reaction, of course, is oh my god, uh, it's, a, it's such a huge loss. However, the uh, you know I've been reliably informed that. Is in excess of a hundred thousand pound wages, as we know, is one of the highest earners at West Ham Jonesy. And West Ham are trying their best at the moment to agree a new deal with Declan Rice. He's had two significant offers, to be honest, not quite as low as um, as has been made out uh, in sort of in pre- separate several reports. Excuse me, uh, up until now, the two substantial offers given to Declan. Up until now, he rejected both of those, but the the club confident that um, you know with the new money freed up by Felipe's exit, I know people will look at the transfer fee, understandably, mm. but he was on a serious whack at West Ham, and that's only going to help them as far as wages go. It's seven million quid a year, Jonesy, they'll have saved by getting him off the wage bill, and you know some of that money, um, which West Ham are trying to do, trying to give Declan. Or that it's going to help them in those negotiations, certainly. Anyway, in my opinion, that can only be a good thing. And I don't know what you feel about the uh, the, the the narrative, if you like, around Sebastian Hellaire and Philippe Anderson. Both of them, I understand the fans need or feel the need to go. Oh, what a joke! Look at our club, we're such a circus. We lost 20 million quid on Sebastian Hilaire and then we've gone and lost another 35 million on Philippe Anderson. Well, first of all, Philippe Anderson scored 10 goals and four assists, I believe, in his first season. Not a bad return mm. for his first season. Yeah, fair enough. His form absolutely fell off a cliff after that. But what I don't, what I'm not keen on hearing, I don't want to hear from fans at the moment is. Oh, what a joke it is. Oh, what a waste of money. We can't run this club. It's such a joke. What awful transfers they were. Because all big clubs, which is what we want to be and which is what West Ham fans were told we were going to be when we moved from Upton Park, all big clubs end up, at one point or another, making an expensive duffer of a transfer. United and Di Maria. Roberto Soldado at yeah. Tottenham. Alvaro, Mar- Alvaro Morata at Chelsea. Di Maria, Alexis Sanchez at Manchester United. Mm-hmm. Nicolas Pepe at Arsenal. 
all of these clubs do it but the 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 key is to cut your losses at the right time and go again mm. what doesn't help at a time like this is when you know the the whole mood around these deals is ah oh, such a joke i honestly do think the club deserves some credit in this instance i know it's easy to look at it and go oh, we've lost so much money we're rubbish but that's the sort of thing jonesy that plays into the, the those of those of fans out there that think the club are you know, all they want to do is is pull the wool over fans' eyes and find any excuse. Well, when you start moaning about big signings going wrong, that plays into their hands because mm. they'll go, oh, we don't want to get stung again like we did on Philippe Anderson and, and Sebastian Hilaire. No, that's the wrong way to go about it. The right way to go about it is what the club have already done 50% of, is cut your losses at the right time, recoup whatever money you can, stop trying to flog a dead horse and be paying in excess of 100 grand a week for Anderson. People going, oh, we should fit him in to the system. David Moyes doesn't, and I know this for a fact, David Moyes does not rate Philippe Anderson. So what is the point? Just exactly. take your losses. It's from a previous regime under Manuel Pellegrini and, and Mario Husselos. Cut your losses, and but go again. Back the manager now. Don't then, and I think fans getting angry about it, Okay, yeah, it, would, it looks like bad business now, definitely. But would you would you rather the club try and fail with big signings like that? Or just not try at or all. Or just not try at all. Yeah. Exactly, and I know for a fact which one I would want, mm. and it's to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail, and then you find a gem. I mean, mm. I'm not saying every signing has to be 30 million plus, 40 million plus. There I'm are some fans that. that believe that, though. And I want to say that. Yeah, but look at—I mean, you only have to look at Thomas Suchek and Vladimir Sufal. Yeah, that's going to be my point. Yeah. yeah, but but that's what I mean. There there has to be some grey area. It can't be so polarised. You can't have the club coming from one angle, which I don't necessarily think they are. Obviously, we don't know how this transfer window is going to play out yet. And by all means, if we haven't strengthened considerably and go into a European campaign with the worst squad, then they, you know, they undo any good work again that, mm. that, that they did last season and the team and the goodwill that has been sort of put into the team and a little bit to them towards the board, I think. They'll undo that if they don't strengthen this summer. But there's got to be somewhere in between only buying from the bargain basement because Vladimir Sufal and Thomas Suchek aren't going to work out every single time. No. Although, to be fair, 19 million quid for Suchek. He's not really bargain basement. Craig Dawson, for example, a good example of that. But also, I want to see more marquee signings again in the future. Mm. But if And if they don't work out, then you go, all right, fair enough. And and then you go again, and you've got to keep going again, James, haven't you? Because all the teams around us who we supposedly want to be competing with, you can... Sh- Bet your bottom dollar they'll be going again, won't they? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it's born out of the fact that because we see so many large transfer fees in football, you know, globally, that it's it's almost like it's accepted that your club isn't doing very well in the transfer window if it's not spending 30, 40, 50 million pounds on players every summer. Yeah. Um and it's very easy to forget, as you've already said. How good the likes of Suchek, Sufal, Dawson, um, you could even put Fornells, Bowen, um, and, and those sort of players in the same bracket, like cost a complete like a fraction of what Haller and Anderson cost. But, but still, I mean, decent but, money, but, but, weren't they? But they were decent money. I mean, I would have thought like the average transfer fee these days is about twenty million quid. Yeah. Um, and you know, a handful of those players have been picked up for twenty million quid. Fornells and Bowen were sort of that, and yeah. and they've been they've been superb superb signings. Um, and sometimes signings don't work out. 
Um, that I, I can see the gripe in that you know West Ham have notoriously been really bad at selling players over the years. Um, like just terrible. <laughs> because none of them ever end up any good. That's Te- why terrible. It's just no. But I mean, even I mean, you look at the money they got for James Tompkins. You know, he should have commanded. I mean, it's like twelve mil. Twelve mil. I mean, could have got more for James Tompkins given the form he was in. Mm. Um, and you know, I can't think of a lot, a lot more players on the top of my head. But there have been a few where you go, God, we should have got more for him. Like we could have got more for him. Um, Kuate went for eight million, I think. Hmm. Um, could have got fifteen for him. Well, I, I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It is what it is, but. Um, I, I'll make you right. I think it was the right time to let him go, right time uh, for Anderson to go. And you know, given the wages he was on, it's going to turn out if they do use those wages to to give Declan Rice what he wants, mm. then it turns out to be a great bit of business. Yeah, yeah. I it turns out to be a fantastic bit of business. Exactly. Yeah, and, and like you say, uh, uh, I know people looking at it and go, oh, "We lost thirty-five mil." Well, why we did get a small transfer? Uh, sorry, a small loan fee from Porto last season, and a significant portion of his wages off the books mm. when that happened. So that saved ourselves in the region five or six million quid in wages. We've already saved another seven million this next year in his wages by letting him go at all, plus the three million. In all in all, it's prob- the transfer has probably cost West Ham 20 million quid. It's still bad business, don't get me wrong. But I think once you do all the, all the maths, given that he was out on loan and stuff, we've basically paid 20 million quid for that first season he had, which was okay. Don't mm. I'm not arguing it was worth 20 million because it definitely wasn't. And it is a bad transfer. But it's not quite as as tragic as as everyone's quick to, to make out. And I just think, look, that's that's the last remnant or the last bad remnant, if you like, of the Pellegrini era. Every, it's all positive now, isn't it? You can only you can only work forward, and you want to see him back the manager, back David Moyes, use that money well, the spare wages, use the money well, and, and go out and strengthen the team, and we can forget all about the names Pellegrini and Husalos forevermore, can't we? I think I think that's it, and you know I think people would have been a lot angrier had Anderson been allowed to stay at the club. Definitely, and but not or, everyone, or, mate, would have been. That's or, what baffles or gone, me. Or gone back out on loan to another club and done, you know, nothing at wherever we would have ended up. Braga. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, or stayed at the club and made the odd cup appearance or made the odd cameo for the last five minutes because, you know, he, David Moyes doesn't trust him to track back or doesn't trust him to run around enough, you know, which, which we know he wants from his players. Mm. Um, and then fans go, oh, what a waste of money. You know, he's got you know, 100 grand a week and he's barely playing. It's like, well, you know... Can't have it both. You ways, can't have it both ways. So you yeah. get him off the books, and it, it's also forgotten that you know, no one really adds in the how much the wages cost over the course of a of a season or a year, mm. and add that to actual the transfer value. So yeah, if, you, if yeah, you're buying someone right, for yeah. 35 million, but he's on 100 grand a week, you know, you text and he's on a five year contract, four, four year deal at seven million a year. You know, he was on. He, yeah. He's 60 million quid, really. Mm. If he sees that, that's the total cost to have Philippe Anderson play to you for four years. Exactly. Yeah, four so, years. and a lot of people don't, you know, they just look at the, what he's earning a week. They don't look at okay, well, what's that over the course of his contract? It's actually, it's 60 million quid. So, mm. if anything, we've saved ourselves some money by getting rid of him with two years left in his contract. Definitely. Mate. Um, so, yeah, it's. it's Swings and roundabouts, really, isn't it? Mm. But I'm glad. He, I'm glad he's off the books. Um, I wish him well. Um, he's clearly a very, very talented player, but just not good enough for West Ham. Yeah. Um, well, not good enough for the system that we not need. Not good enough for David Moyes, which is fine. That's fine. Um, Andy Kiddy, Kiddy sort of didn't fit the way you know the Premier League didn't fit the way it worked in in, in England. He's not the only 
player that's come over to England and struggled or, or sort of lost lost appetite. No, exactly. Um, he won't be the last. He won't be the last. No, so exactly. I wish him well. Glad he's off the books. Um, and it seems like he's back home at Lazio. Is it Lazio? Because yep. he scored two in two in pre-season for them. So um, <laughs> he's, back, he's, got, he's gone back home. Yeah, basically. exactly. Yeah, and good luck to him and uh, good luck to Lazio, uh, who we may be facing. Oh, that'll be it, Jonesy, won't it? Europa League, happen, Lazio, home and away group stages. Anderson three goals in two against us. Gives yeah. it the old shush at the Bobby Moore end. Oh God, I'm going to regret all of that. You just I? said that. What and it's a nightmare. Terrible. <laughs> what a nightmare. Get your money on it at home if you're listening. So, Jonesy. Uh, Jesse Lingard, Tammy Abraham, Jared Bowen and Issa Diop are my notes we've got to cover on this transfer segment. You can go first. Well, the, just, the Jesse Lingard deal looks looks to be dead at the moment, <laughs> doesn't it? Gone, it's not even a deal, isn't it? Um, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saying he's in my plans. But then he's got to say that, hasn't he? I think he's got to say that publicly. Um, I don't know. Like in the same, he's, 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 not in the same come, he's not going to come out and go, uh, he's gone. Or I don't want him at the, at the football club. <laughs> get, or, yeah, get rid. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. he's going to come out, and he, he did play well when he came on at half time. In that, when they after that, when he spoke after that game, cracked one off the bar against Derby. The bar. Didn't he? Um, so he's going to come and go. Yeah, he's in my plans. But what's been said between the beyond beyond closed doors, we're led to believe Lingard said he wants to stay and fight for his place. Yeah, come out in the Athletic. Um, I think reported that didn't yeah. they? And uh, normally fairly reliable. The Athletic saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. he's keen to fight for his place. But mate, look, he's he's on 140 grand a week at Manchester United. He was looking for a four-year deal at 28, a four-year deal on 100,000 pound a week to go elsewhere, either West Ham or or wherever. So, that would have I know you think, "Oh, blimey." But but that's still nearly a third of his wages less he would have mm. been getting, isn't it? But extended over four years. So, if he's thinking, "Oh, you know what? Just financially, I'll just sit it out at United. I will get a game here and there. We've got a lot of football. I mm. will play semi-regularly, pick up my 140. And then at the end of the season, if I do well again, people are still remembering my time at West Ham, then I'll be able to cash in age 29 as a free agent yeah. and, and maybe pull in, do a William or whatever yeah. and, and wrangle his way to another semi-length. He's probably got one more huge deal in him, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Really? So, you can understand him positioning himself for that? Yeah, if you want to... I mean, a lot of people forget United's boy a club. Yeah, exactly. So, if if, it, if it's a, a toss-up between United and West Ham and he's been offered football at United, he's going to stay at United and mm. I don't blame him for that. No. What I don't want West Ham to do is to is to spend all... for the, the rest of the transfer window I'm in an R and over whether to make a bid because I don't know whether he wants to stay or go and sort of oh should we make a bid should we not should we pay thirty million quid for him should we not and then it's too and then we just do it and see we've 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 wasted three weeks and then suddenly we're scrambling around for a replacement because it turns out that they don't want to sell him. <laughs> um, Surely those conversations have been had you, before you'd now. Like to, Jones. Oh, apparently there is a transfer. There's, there's a transfer meeting this week which a lot of fans got annoyed about as well on Twitter. I saw um, apparently David Moyes is having a transfer meeting with David Sullivan this week and fans were like. Shouldn't they have been done two weeks ago or three weeks ago? <laughs> After so, the last game of the like, season. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure they had one back then as well. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, this having, isn't the only transfer. They're having another it? one this week, you know, <laughs> yeah. just to sort of, you know, yeah. cross, you know, dot the I's, cross the T's. There's and, probably you know, a meeting minutes, isn't there, that yeah. on the bottom says next meeting in one week. Yeah, like, tomorrow or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But they're having that this week and I reckon... There'll be a lot of decisions made in this one because we've only got what four or five weeks before the window shuts, and <laughs> um, we might see some bids go through. I, I'd like to see bid for 
Lingard. Just bid for Lingard. Just bid for Lingard. And if United go, absolutely not. We stay in. Then, okay, right. At least you know. At least you yeah, know. Yeah, and then yeah. we go, right, Mateus Pereira at West Brom. We'll have him. And if he costs 25 billion quid, because I think he's the next best yeah, player yeah. we get yeah, in I that like position. That. Yeah. Um, and apparently, he hasn't played a single minute in pre season for West Brom. They basically said, you're off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're waiting for a good enough offer. Um, so we, we bid for Lingard. If they say no, then we go, right, Pereira's our man, and we get him. Like, so we can't waste time this summer in in sort of drooling over the potential of Lingard coming back. He was great for us. And that's all we ever see, see of him in a West Ham shirt. Fine. So be it. The club's bigger than one player, though, isn't it? Yeah, and look, look what he did United in six now. months at West Ham, and he'll always be loved by West Ham fans. Yeah, totally. Um, so if that's if that's it for him at West Ham, then you know we've had some good memories. Yeah, and he'll always get a great reception, won't he? Yeah, totally agree with you on that one. It does look like we're a little bit unlike. Just a quick one, Jonesy. Really, really brief on this. It's one I and again, this is no, this isn't like inf- inside information or anything like that. This is just one that uh, that came up today. I saw Ross Barkley training for Chelsea if that came up uh, in lieu of Lingard what would you would you just a brief yes or no or like how do you feel about that really quickly I'm not sure he had a good start on loan at Villa last season didn't he and then vintage off. Barkley yeah yeah um, I think scored two in his first three and then looked bright got comfortable looked bright got comfortable got injured and then that was the last we saw of him all season I think <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just I, Villa I come 10th yeah, yeah or 11th I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I think I'd rather Pereira yeah now you say that so. yeah there's certainly better players out there isn't yeah. there I think Barkley would be on the verge of falling into that his best days are behind him and we don't want players like that category at West Ham but then you, you'd kind of back Morris to get the best out of him obviously they've worked together before uh, um, Evington at, uh, Everton so um, yeah maybe Morris could get the best out of him but I don't know I still I still fancy Pereira fellow Chelsea star Tammy Abraham uh, rumours suggesting that Arsenal are going to gazump both West Ham and Tottenham emerged in the last couple of days. Forty million quid is apparently the asking price for Tammy. I personally think it would be a really good fit, but I'm also the same bloke who was shouting and screaming if West Ham signed Josh King during <laughs> the January transfer window. I believe has left Everton now. Yeah. To, I think he's signed for Watford, isn't he? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, Tammy, I'd like to see him at West Ham. I think it'd be a good fit. I think he would provide what we need. He knows where the goal is. It's such a crap football cliche, that. But he does. He scored goals for Chelsea. Tuchel just doesn't like his style of play, which Mm. is fair enough. But he was still top scorer for a considerable amount of that season, wasn't he, before he got axed. Um, But, I mean, do you like him? Would you pay £40 I don't think he's worth £40 million. Um, But I think that if... He's no Philippe Anderson, is he? No, but if, if that's what it's going to take for us to sign him, then I think we just pay it. Um, I, I know that sounds Dimitri. weird. Dimitri. But we just pay it because I think we're so desperate for a striker. And I think out of all the players that we've been linked with this summer and that actually we have a serious interest in, he's the one that doesn't just bring what you need, we need for the team. He brings European experience. Mm. He brings, you know, he knows how to he knows how to score a goal in the Premier League and in Europe and in the Champions League and in Europa League. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, I think even if it is going to be right forty million quid or nothing, then I think we should just pay the forty million quid. But the trouble is, you know, I've been told that West Ham won't just won't pay forty million pound for mm. him. Um, but he wants to sign for West Ham. He actually wants to sign for West Ham. Yeah. Um, but out the three, out the three clubs that are in for him, we're the only one. We're the one in the highest European tournament. And not just that, mate. But he's not getting in ahead of Harry Kane. Well, and it, there are rumours that he, uh, Santo wants to play two up front. 
Or Kane leaves. Or Kane leaves, yeah, but then yeah. um, I, I can't imagine a front two of Kane and Abraham. Abraham doesn't no. really work. Doesn't work at all. Um, no. So I don't know. And I just don't think Arsenal won in Europe. No. Why would you go? Why, why would you go to Arsenal? Lacazette's still not a bad player. Um, no. Nah. Nah. I mean, the money you'd go for Arsenal for, to be honest, isn't it? That's yeah, why you but, would go. But I just, I mean, apparently, what. I keep thinking, well, he wants to stay in London, so he definitely was on for West Ham. But all three <laughs> you clubs won't go to Arsenal or Tottenham, <laughs> really. <Exactly. laughs> all three clubs are in London, but we're in we're in the the bigger of the European competitions. Arsenal aren't even any of them. We've got the best nearby shopping centre. Yeah, exactly. Hands and, down. Um, and he's we, used to Westfield at Shepherd's Bush, isn't he, over at Chelsea? Yeah, and we've got the largest uh, stadium screens in Europe. Exactly. So, I mean, why would you not want to sign for West Ham United? Precisely, mate. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, we've got the best kit. Hand, this is actually true we've got the best kit best for next kit. season we've got the most historic running track in London yep definitely how um, many gold medals have been won at Arsenal or Tottenham's ground zero zero how many so, have won at ours flipping hundreds literally hundreds yeah, yeah. hundreds so, yeah. Yeah. I mean there it is Tammy if you're listening um, Arthur Masuaka I assume you're listening I don't know if you know Tammy Abraham at all if you can get the word to him via Declan I'm sure they've uh, got a contact you know if, if if that doesn't sell it to him then then nothing at all will um jared bowen james low yeah i know linked to liverpool i saw it like liverpool i consider that he's on the short list apparently. right and yeah let's like, just get it right now that means liverpool have drawn up a list probably of 10 to 15 players who could play out Bowen's wide. at the bottom and always one of the names on it yeah between yeah. 8th and 15th yeah. of a list of 15 i love bowen it got me thinking like how much would we sell him for? If Liverpool did come calling, what would be the price tag for Jared Bowen? Um Give, I, think about how effective he was last season for yeah, us. Realistically, I'd want thirty if if we sold him for thirty seven, thirty eight mil, I'd be like, Yeah, that's fair value. There's reasonable value there. I would say fifty million quid. Oh god. <laughs> and I I I tell you why, is because at the stage of the window that we're in. Yeah. Um and the impact he had for us last season was involved in like 15 goals, I think it was, goals and assists. <laughs> um, the importance of the team, he's worth 50 million quid to West Ham. Well, I like what you're doing, Jonesy. You're putting Liverpool off. If anyone at Liverpool's listening, Jürgen, if you're... If you're he's worth 50, I think he's worth... He's worth 50 million quid to West Ham, yeah. which is the point of club valuations. Yeah. Has, I don't so, know if it so you, you tweeted it. So you turn around and go, well, if he's... If it's he, what he's worth to us. Yeah. What's he so, worth to you? So what's he worth to you? 40 million quid. Well, actually, no. Like we're not selling him for forty million quid, we're selling him for fifty million quid. Um, that's what I would tell him at. Let's be honest, though, Jonesy, that one falls very much into the transfer rumor section. Doesn't I think it, it so does. Yeah, I just, I just, I almost spent my coffee out when I read it this afternoon. <laughs> I thought, really, like, we won't, uh, we won't on. give that one too much credence. I don't think. And Issa Diop, um, what a bizarre football player he is. I mean, one minute well, Jose a Marino, by yeah, Jose Mourinho. and he's off to Man United for fifty million quid, the same amount Jared Bowen's apparently worth. And next minute, was it Crystal Palace? I think. Palace and Southampton. Crystal Palace that. and Southampton want Issa Diop. I don't know really. I I like him. Just keep him as a backup. These repeated stories linking him away. He wasn't good enough to get in last season. We don't know if Craig Dawson's going to do a Fabian Balbuena on us, and after an outstanding first season go oh that's actually why he was only worth three million quid or mm. whatever um no i don't i don't understand why there's any appetite to get rid of him I, I i don't think he's on exorbitant money he's on a few quid but like mid-range in that squad i think like middle sort of level earner 
I think we've got a lot of games coming up this season and, you know, I, I don't feel horrendously nervous. No. I just think if you let go of him, you'd have to swap someone else in. He knows the club. He knows how Moyes wants to play. If there, any, there is any truth in that, just keep hold of him if well, it's me. I think the rumour was that we'd, we'd rejected bids from both of those clubs. How much? Uh, I don't know what the fee was. I don't think that was revealed, but it was just we've rejected bids from... Um, I, I would be very very surprised if we sold any 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 centre backs mm. we need to buy one if anything yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah I, I think it's a no go for, for that one um, I think he's still only what 22 23 he's still got you know a lot a lot of time to give a lot of development a yeah, lot yeah. of development and I think he's better than some of the showings that he showed last season I think a lot of those dodgy performances or dodgy moments were born out of the fact that he you know, he had a really sort of stop-start season. Yeah, exactly. And he got mate. COVID at the beginning of the season as well, which he started the season the starting eleven, hmm. got COVID, and then had to fight fight for his place back. So and was up against two defenders playing some of the best football of their careers. Exactly. So I think it was just, he wasn't getting a lot of minutes. He wasn't. He couldn't really get a consistent run of games behind him, which caused a lot of the the, dodge, the dodgy moments that we saw from him. And obviously getting coached on the pitch by Aaron Cresswell away at Burnley, which just was screamed at yeah. non-stop. So um. So yeah, I don't think he'd be sold. James Jones, a story which appears to pop up every now and then in West Ham United spheres, is that there's been an approach to ta- a takeover approach in essence. It's been quickly poo-pooed by the club as nonsense. The players are not serious players. They don't have enough money to be in that conversation. Um, what do you make of stories like this, first of all, and, and, and the fact that another one like this has, has come out this week? I mean, yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit... Uh, we, we get one every six months, don't we, now? I think it's 2023 is the, the year in which the, the club can be sold without them having to give away a percentage of their profit to the government. Um, I can't imagine anything happening any time soon. On On this... On this story, apparently there was no proof of funds and it wasn't even an official offer. It was just a, would you be up for selling for 400 million quid? It was an, in, right, so we've got former QPR chief, ex, chief exec Philip Beard has been looking to put a deal together to purchase West Ham. Um, but yeah, West Ham are regularly approached by prospective buyers, but do not want to sell. Um, yeah, David Gold, David Sullivan turned down the approach because uh, they rejected it because it was a vague offer and not in the best interests of the club, its supporters or shareholders. This was yeah involving former QPR chief exec Philip Beard. So, I mean... This is a Sky Sports one. We all know that um, there's a few people at Sky Sports who are very, very well in with the board. So the information here, Sullivan and Gold do not want to sell and would only consider a possible sale for prospective buyer had the best interest for West Ham as well as the finances to take the club to the next level. The little bit of intel that I got today from someone close to the club was, or the close to the board at the club was exactly that mm-hmm. wasn't serious at all it's a bit of a non-story really um not not even worth talking about because it was it was so informal and vague that yeah it's, it's not really worth considering and the the no one with the, like not enough money basically involved yeah. to be serious about buying a premier league football club of west ham stature i think a lot of these stories come out involving west ham because it's very well known 
where the fans sit, uh, what the fans want in the long term. Um, so I think that's why little stories like that come out when really they probably have no real value to them. Um, but they come out anyway just to give West Ham fans something to react to. The latest approach was viewed by the owners as a property deal rather than a football deal. Proof of funds were not provided, as you said, Jonesy, and no mention was made of investing in the transfer market to strengthen the first-team squad. They're regularly approached by uh, prospective buyers, but many of them turn out not to have the required funds to buy the club and often have no experience in football. Not the case this time, because it's come from the former QPR chief exec, but as I say, the feeling at the club and in the board was... This is not worth talking about because it would have been like me and you clubbing together our money by all accounts, Jonesy, and uh, and trying for, to buy for four hundred pennies more. Like <laughs> exactly. well, you say that actually. Colin Murakawa on the open the other day done me a nice little two hundred quid job for those yeah. golf fans out there. Sorry, it's a bit rogue for a West Ham podcast, but uh, yeah, I mean that is the total net value of William Pugh Incorporated at the moment is the 208 quid I won from <laughs> Colin Morikawa's win at the Open but nonetheless I'll uh, I'll put it towards my let's buy West Ham fund shall I so yeah not a lot of legs in that Jonesy and um, yeah I mean someone did make the point to me today that it, it was quite funny um, someone at the club this sorry it wasn't someone at the club who suggested it to me it was a, a colleague of mine who who did giggle to himself and say it's quite ironic um, West Ham's owners being the ones to suggest that uh, the interest party aren't in the best interests uh, of the club when there's a fair percentage of West Ham's fan base should we say that may argue that the current owners don't always do what's in the best interest well, of the club either but. yeah I mean if that's why they've knocked this this one back then fair play yeah let's be honest mate is what it is not talk for sale at the moment we've got a European campaign coming up that this is the time to Just be. Look forward to it. Yeah. yeah, fingers crossed for um, put some pressure on for some for some transfers. Fingers crossed we can bulk that squad up between now and the beginning of the season and hit that European campaign. Hard, Jonesy. Just a last little segment then before we uh, before we wrap up. Just the same as last week, as we explained. These are just little chats that we're doing until the uh, the real business starts in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, the first real and proper format of the podcast, back to usual, will be before the season. We'll be back to recording on Tuesdays and releasing on Wednesdays. Then, uh, so fear not. It's just a, a last little chatty one from me and James. Just a bit of a catch up. So you've got some uh, West Ham. We are West Ham. Con- Jonesy, we've had some friendlies. In fact, it's five past seven on Wednesday evening at the moment. Uh, West Ham had just about kicked off at Reading. The first thing you said was that kit looks blinding on the players. It does, yeah. I mean, weirdly, they're they're streaming it live on Periscope or on Twitter. Does that basically just mean there's a bloke from the media department sticking his iPhone in the air? No, it's it's actually like actually being streamed properly, proper camera angles and all sorts. Wow! Um, and I've got there what three minutes in, still nil nil, and the kit looks wonderful. They're wearing claret shorts though, rather than the white shorts. Not a fan. Um, but the shirt on the players, particularly Michael Antonio, 
looks uh, superb. And we've got a corner as we speak, I think. Uh, no, that's Reading with the corner. With his new number. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're the claret and blue ones, Jonesy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it looks like it's like, oh the kit doesn't look as good after all. I thought we had blue and white horizontal <laughs> stripes. We've changed colours. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, it looks, if, if anyone, I was about to say, if anyone's listening now, you can go on Twitter, but <laughs> you're not going to be I, listening to I don't to think it. they will, yeah. Right. <laughs> when this goes out on uh, on Thursday morning and people scramble to Periscope or yeah. West Ham's it Twitter, unfortunately, the game will probably have finished barring probably, some yeah. freak weather incident yeah, <laughs> between yeah. now and then uh, Jonesy can you give us a little bit of a rundown uh, the boys obviously went up to Scotland didn't they um, for their pre-season tour the aforementioned pictures of them running along the beach and all having a very nice time at pre-season uh, and Mark Noble of course the customary photo of him riding around on a bike we're playing Reading tonight as we mentioned the Wednesday night as we record um, we've had a couple of other friendlies and we're also playing Atalanta mm. aren't we in the upcoming Betway Cup the dream yeah so we we kicked off with Dundee um, losing that 2-0 at one point which is great <laughs> here we go again um, but Jamal Baptiste and £50 million uh, Jared Bowen uh, with goals <laughs> to bring it back to 2-2 so, how much um, is Baptiste worth then, in your um, eyes Got to be 30, in it? 30 on that, nil. On that yeah. showing. He's a, he's a highly promising youngster. It's what he's worth to us. Yeah. And if you don't want to pay it, then don't pay it and we'll keep it. <laughs> and he's English. That adds <laughs> a bit of value to it, doesn't it? Exactly. But, um, and then we followed up with two pre-seasons running at the same time on the same night. Yeah, that was against, a bizarre um, one. We've done that for the last we few years We have done it before, now. haven't we? We've um, just got so many players, mate. Yes, Who yeah. needs transfers? Exactly. Northampton away and Orient away. Uh, beat Northampton 2-1. Orient ended at 0-0. Connor Coventry on the score sheet against Northampton. Mm. It's nice to see him get some minutes. Um, he's only really playing because Suchek and Declan Rice aren't about. Just but, um that maybe there's a, there's a hint there that he might be getting some minutes in the first team next year. I'm um, pretty sure you said field. this to me this time last year. Yeah, maybe. One to watch, Will. One to watch. But I think he is. I think he's very highly rated. Um, out of all the young players we've got, I think he's one of the most highly rated youngsters. It must be at that stage now for him where it's like, well, you either give him a shot I think it's what or get rid. It's like Josh Cullen. Every year it was like, this is the year Josh Cullen breaks through mm-hmm. and then we end up sending him to Anderlecht for three million quid yeah, or whatever yeah. it was. So... Um, but by all accounts, he is he is the one to watch. Um, <laughs> by, by all accounts, aka James Jones. James account. Jones says that. Yeah, um, yeah. But then, you know, so we, obviously we're playing Reading tonight. Uh, then, we, then we're at Celtic at Celtic Park on Saturday. Big one, that. That's yeah, a big yeah. one. Looking forward to that one. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Brentford uh, the following Saturday, and then the big one, the, our first attempt at silverware in the twenty one twenty two season, the Betway Cup at yeah. London Stadium against European giants Atalanta. Yeah, that would be big. It's, it's, it's going to be. Side, I mean, it's, they? Champions League pedigree. Champions League there. pedigree. Um, as a, as a, I mean, we haven't played a team of that calibre um, since Juventus. Yeah. At the London Stadium yeah, in, the a, in a pre-season razor, friendly. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. Um, so that's the following Saturday, and then the season starts away at St James's Park the following weekend. Do you fancy the uh, fancy the Atalanta game? Are you going to that? Um, I haven't booked, got tickets yet, but I'm, I'm thinking about it. I need to just double check with Lucy because if I double book, mm. I know that there's a weekend in August where we're going to a wedding. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm not going. I'm just going there to look after Harrison while she goes to the wedding. Really? What um, the hell is that yeah, it's about? In, it's in Leicester. Um, what? What? Are you just like a mobile babysitter for yeah, your own kid? For, yeah, for for this wedding. Yeah. Right now, now anyone listening at home. If you're thinking the exact same thing, then I'm glad to be the vehicle through which you can ask your questions. 
Why don't you stay at your own home with your son and your wife go at the wedding? Because we're staying there the weekend right. and I think the following day there's like a, a little uh, a do, an after party, which my friend had at a recent uh, wedding that I went to a few weeks ago yeah. where Harrison wasn't invited to the you wedding. You look class in that, by the way. There's Thanks, some mate. Some pictures Thanks of you. Thanks very much. Yeah, you and Lucy looking very good. Thank you. Um, but then he was invited to the after party the following day. Right. So... That I think that's the case in this one, but this one's in Leicester. So, so you let, let me just get this straight. Are you invited to the wedding? Uh, no, no. So Lu- is Lucy it, is because it's it Lucy's a... sister's friend rather than yeah, yeah, know. yeah. That's fair enough, mate. Yeah, don't worry. I'm digging you out for being unpopular. Right. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so you're not invited to the wedding. Neither is Harrison. Fair enough. No kids no for kids, all the wedding. Yeah. yeah, understand that. If I was even close to getting married, then uh, I'd probably too much money to have the kids in. Just too much aggro and noise. I think. And too much. I mean, too much. Larry, like uncles and cousins, just losing the plot a little bit. And yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's nice for the adults just to have a a, a day off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which so, we, what are you going to do then during the wedding while Lucy's off? Well, having a gr- great time. We're staying at the venue mm. actually, so we're gonna Harrison and me. We're gonna go swimming. There's nice. a swimming pool there. Yeah. Um, and then I'm hoping that we can then just chill out at the bar. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and Harrison me having and a Harrison. Lads, lads' evening. Yeah, couple of pints each. Couple of pints, and I'll put him to bed, um, or he'll be putting me to bed after a couple <laughs> of pints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then, yeah, and then I, I don't know, and then wait for Lucy to come back, mm. falling all over the place, yeah, no yeah, doubt, yeah. after having a few few uh, sherries, yeah, or yeah. whatever she drinks, <laughs> and then um, <laughs> and then yeah. So I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it, but it means that I, I, I can't yet plan anything in August because I don't know what weekend this mm. wedding is. Well, I tell you what, Jonesy, I'm pretty sure I've got that weekend off. So uh, yeah, if you are as well, if I'm free, we'll go. We'll have a little bit of uh, Atalanta at home in a Betway Cup, shall we? Can't wait. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Well, look, Jonesy, it's uh, great to see you again, mate. Nice to see you. Uh, I think we're going to nip out and have a pint now, aren't Let's we? Let's do it. Like the old we'll days. Watch, watch the rest of the Reading game. Yeah, as well. exactly. Get yeah. your periscope up on your phone <laughs> you can be admiring the blue and white stripy kit that we're apparently playing in next season <laughs> and uh yeah watch us kick off our uh 2021-22 campaign in style look thanks very much for those of you who have listened again thanks very much of course for all of you listened last season we'll be back and i hate the phrase but i would suggest jonesy that we'll be back better than ever next season we've got some stuff in the pipeline some returning uh, sponsors and partnerships the charity partnership with betway still there working on a few things for a new and improved quiz at the end of the show um we're, we're talking like rogue mystery players league of quiz again so uh, yeah working on stuff we hope you'll stick with us again for another season it's shaping up to be a flipping exciting one with Europe on the cards. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. And as always, up the hammers, come in your irons. Hi, this is Tony Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.